comments. Well, hello, everybody. And it's Malcolm here again. And this is the Toxic Triangle. And I've got a special treat for you today. And um, I've got cameras all over the place here. So if my eye moves here, it's not because I'm not uh, focused. And uh, um, this lovely lady on the screen here is Anna Holbert Cortez. Yes. I always get that. I always want to make sure I get the Cortez in the right place. So please, <laughs> it was 50 50. And um, we, we've. <laughs> We've known each other for almost a couple of years now, I think. Uh, it's like 18 months or something. And um, we met through a common interest, which was a program called Positive Intelligence. Exactly. And this has been an interesting journey, I think. It, I, I'm speaking from myself, and I'm going to you know, just bounce it to you, yourself. I just want to do a bit of a introduction here um there was something resonated with us about positive intelligence and what it could do for people yes and um so a little bit anna where are you tell us a little bit about your background and um uh, this is a real treat for me because i'm i'm working on some specific things and you're working on same things and um there, there are people out there that, that i believe can benefit from hearing what we're going to talk about well i think that both you and i can be really proud that we are now certified by positive intelligence so it's a year-long program and it is about making a difference in people's lives. I think it's the passion you and I share. And I was an educator, a high school teacher for 29 years. And me discovering positive intelligence, as you mentioned, like 18 months ago, has transformed my personal life. And I use this as a major vehicle. So if you think of your body, I see it as the heart of all of us, if we can go through this mental fitness. And I personally enjoy working out a lot. It's always brought sanity. I've always encouraged my own high school students to be active, to find a way to get their endorphins going. And I feel this mental fitness, just like being able to lift 20 pound weights and curl those. How, what weight can you lift with your own brain and not let your negative thoughts get to you. And I so wish as a teacher, I would have known about positive intelligence and mental fitness because I would have been that much more effective with myself and who would have benefited all those years, the thousands of high school kids that I had. Fantastic. Now, the reason Apart from it's, it's great to spend time with you. Um, you're an expert in this field, um, an expert from the perspective as, as, I, as I've been out and I've engaged with people like first responders, policemen, firefighters, uh, doctors, nurses, and so on. Um, well, all that's gone on over this last few years has been really, really stressful on 
a profession which we've all been touched by. We've all either been a student or we are, well, we've all been students, um, or we're parents with our own children, you know, uh, being students. And um, this last couple of years, I, I think has been really tough on teachers. It's been tough on kids. It's been tough on parents. Now that has been one element of it. You know, what always interests me is what motivates people to do things. And, and I think that if you could just give us you know, a bit of a sort of enlightenment of the kind of people that become educators, why they become educators, and what this experience has been like for them or is currently. Well, Malcolm, I would definitely say most of us that become educators, we had some sort of mentor, coach, somebody that really made a difference in our lives in a time that we needed them. So yes, COVID in the last three years, I think going on here in March will be three years, I believe that this mm -hmm. whole thing started. So I do believe that most of us that are in these helping professions, we have a heart for wanting to make a difference in people's lives. There's a part of us that's very compassionate. Um, and I think when you look at the majority, if I look at the majority of my students, they were amazing, wonderful, but it is those few kids that can make it really difficult. And when you think about the last few years, these kids have struggled, parents are struggling, even some of these parents are struggling with their own health or mental health. So think of that, and those are the kids that are showing up in our classroom. So for me, it wasn't just about teaching Spanish or about teaching my at-risk kids or PE. You're really looking at the whole child, and that child is showing up to your classroom you know, whether they're hungry, don't have enough money for lunch, they're angry because they got in a fight with their parent and they arrive in our classroom. So it is really about knowing that kid really well to try to reach them, not only with teaching them Spanish or whatever it was I was trying to teach them. You know, I, I and, and thanks for that. You know, the you know what always interests me, and you know, I, I read so much and and whatever, is that when somebody enters into a profession, they they come in with enthusiasm, they come in with excitement, and they've been doing all of this studying and whatever, they've done all this training, and suddenly they get let loose on it. Now, what's that like for you know for teachers over this last sort of few years? What's that been like? And Malcolm, I like how you bring that up too, because it is, you know, when you're in college um, and until you really student teach or you have some of those snippets of what this is going to be like in college. And I think hopefully college is changing in that way too, of what they're exposing their future teachers to. But I know we came up with these ideal outcomes and objectives and amazing lesson plans and you had to have them done a certain way but humans don't work that way 
So you have this ideal lesson plan, but what you don't know is that maybe in that class, you also have those special needs kids. Or I also had blind students teaching them Spanish, right? So my ideal lesson plans then are changed by, I need to really adjust to serve all my kids. And even sometimes these students would be impatient with a kid that is on an IEP, like special needs requirements that you got to meet And you're not able to explain that to the kids, right? That would be hurtful to that kid. So it is being, that's the thing I think most of the public doesn't start to break down is all that comes into that community. So if you're an elementary school teacher and you're teaching 32 second graders or me teaching second year Spanish where I may have 34, 36 students and how do I bring all these kids to learn what they need to learn and at the same time take care of their emotional development? And, you know, as I've been looking into this and speaking to people, the teachers, you know, coming to a class, doing the prep work for it and engaging with, you know, and it is taxing with a whole group of people, you know, I've given many presentations to keep track of it. I can imagine what it's like to, to, to do it, you know, multiple sort of periods throughout the day or whatever. It's got to be emotionally taxing. Um, but there's all of the like the paperwork, the reporting, the bureaucracy, and does that take away from the thrill and the, you know, the, I suppose the, the shine of the, the job, you know, when, and I'm, what I'm trying to get to is that, you know, these excited sort of student teachers come in and they let loose and then they, then they, they find that when they're in the job, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that they weren't prepared for or expecting. Um, uh, Yes, Malcolm, I think you're bringing up another huge point. And if you think about it, think about some of these teachers that came in maybe recently. Where were they in college, right? Maybe they were sophomores and then COVID came and then they graduated during COVID. So that's the thing that we need to look at, right? Not only in the business fact, in the business sector or in the educational sector, all of us had this experience. And technology has been super positive in many respects. Think about it. If we didn't have technology, how would we have reached some of our students in certain districts or rural areas were struggling with that? But a large part was able to be serviced because we had computers, we jumped on things, but there was such a huge learning curve, right? So here's this maybe sophomore student graduates as a teacher. They have struggled and had some some of their own struggles. What's going on with their families? And they're going on into becoming an educator. And this is a profession 
they really tugs on you, just like maybe being a psychiatrist or a counselor, or you mentioned police officers or firemen. They're being exposed to traumatic experiences sometimes. And sometimes those traumatic experiences, like you said, I can recall one phone call in my career where I really cried. I just felt like this parent and I knew she was going to chew us up and just throw us up. And she did. She did that with our my guidance counselor and I. And so there are those moments that really knock you down or a really mean kid that is not only affecting your relationship with him or her, but what he or she is doing to the kids around them. So yeah, it, it's not a profession that I think if most people got to walk in and experience what happens in the classroom, of an effective teacher, I think they would be in awe of what happens. And I would say, don't just visit for an hour, but if you got to visit for several days and see that you're spending this many hours with kids, and then you're bringing that work home to grade, and on weekends, you're doing lesson plans and doing some more grading, I think that there would be a whole lot of respect for what these dedicated teachers do. And at the same time, I know there are some that are not as dedicated and that you're gonna find in every profession. Is the, I, I suppose the, and I, I don't wanna, I don't wanna tee it up, you know, I wanna sort of get to this logical conclusion. Is it a stressful pro profession? Yes. Yes, it is. And, and that's where I say, if I would have been able to, let's say I became a mental fitness coach, I would have gotten involved with positive intelligence and Shirzad Shamin and his vision long ago that he discovered while being a student at Stanford. I think that I would have been able to cope with my stress much better. But for me, these kids became my kids. And my husband used to lecture me all the time and say, Anna, you cannot care as much as you do. But I can say to you, Malcolm, if I were to, I've said this many times, if I were to die tomorrow, I know I made a big difference in thousands of kids that stay in touch with me. And I feel like a millionaire in that way with the memories but to tell you that it is not a stressful job and to say that you have to grow this mental fitness almost to not let those negative experiences or tough situations jade you, but for you to keep going. And I think that some of my tough upbringing really prepared me also to be able to cope with those stressors of our job. But I think when we care and we have a lot on our plate. I, you know, from I, I've had some sort of brief sort of exposure to uh, 
to schools and educational stuff of, of late and wherever. And I, a, a lot of people said, well, the, the, the challenge is that the people come into the, the profession and they're gone within five years because it, it's, it's, it's different than what it used to be. Now you, you had a, an extensive career out of the, you know, taken into fact that the teachers maybe don't last as long as they expect to when they come into this profession, you know, what would you say would be the top three things that maybe might drive them away and maybe a recommendation of what they could do to offset the pressures and the stresses that are really taking them away from a profession that they went into with such sort of enthusiasm and high expectations? Yeah. Well, I can say what my recommendations are. Will that ideally happen in every district or every school? I don't think so. Um, but I, I think that if you have a re respected district, like the district I've worked for, there was a longevity in our district and there were things in place, like we had a support system. So let's say you go into a district where maybe you don't have that support system. If you were a first, second or third year teacher, you were in a program and you were attending um, meetings with all these new teachers and you had you know, expert mentor teachers that were helping you. So if you don't have that kind of program for you to really seek that out yourself. The other thing is building those relationships. You don't have to be at it alone. So not only are you looking for expert teachers to really help you to form those relationships, but I think sometimes even as teachers, we can forget that building relationships with our clerical people, our janitors, our administrators, and really building those relationships, they can be your allies. Mm -hmm. And the third thing would be, once again, um, you and I are proponents of how do we retrain our brain, right? Every one of us has these negative thoughts and we can go down that hamster wheel and we have those gremlins getting to us. So how do we train our brains to grow and be our best friend instead of our enemy? So I would say that would be maybe number one before the other things I recommended. And really finding something that you are at least one thing that you're passionate outside of your career. I really, you know, it's so important for you to take care of yourself and for you to go do things that you enjoy, especially those of us that are in the service industry, we got to find a way to shut that down and go give yourself some time to refill your cup as you're constantly giving to other people. Yeah, and uh, so well said, you know, as you were saying that, there was two things that, that, that jumped out to me. First, you've, you've got to have resilience, you, you know, in something like this, where there is pressure, there's, there's the pressure of the job, there's the bureaucracy maybe, but then there's the emotional stuff, you know. And then also there's empathy and vulnerability, 
empathy for yourself with things, you know, in early days or in even in the dark days and not always going to be perfect, but it's going to get better because it's just a day. And then there's the, you know, the, the vulnerability of others go through this. And so often, you know, in careers, and I, I see it in business and in, in, in developing and sort of new managers and so on that are on their way up. They don't want to be vulnerable. They're scared of being vulnerable. You know, what is somebody going to think of me because I don't know something? What is someone going to, what is my team going to think of me because I, 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 I don't have the answer. So they build a little wall around themselves. And then, and as we know, the whole power of the mind starts to kick in in a negative way. It can start peeling away at your confidence, peeling away at your enthusiasm. And I believe those things peel away at the, the optimism that comes with something like, you know, that a, a, a new teacher feels going into that career, all of the expectations with the kids, only to find that, you know, it's tough. And uh, so, you know, I, 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 I value your opinion. I think we should have some more conversations about this because there's, there's folks out there, you know, teachers, aspiring teachers, and parents as well, <laughs> that the more insight they get, the more it's going to benefit them. And, and also I would say that they're not, they're not going it alone. Would you agree that they're, they're now more than any time there are more resources available? You know, there are, and I think a lot of people don't know about them. I even spoke to a police officer. I just volunteered at a, a conference called School Connect where you're dealing with, you know, different companies, faith-based organizations all connecting for students for the best but a lot of times even talking to this police officer he was like you know a lot of people don't know about the services that we have so I wish sometimes we could get on a huge intercom or the same thing with all of you listening if you are parents we need you we need you as teachers we need you and we need to team up i think sometimes we become hey don't tell me about my kid and i used to hand out an article that really showed that when teachers and parents work together for the better of their child instead of the parent getting defensive, there's things that I observe and learn from your kid. And there are things that you know about your kid. And when we team up and we hold him or her accountable, they're better off for it. It's not me against you. I think anytime we work as a community and we support each other and we show our children that we are a united front, then they're going to learn that those that discipline, those boundaries and that resilience to make it out into the real world. But we got to hold our kids accountable. Yeah. I, yeah. Now, um, what, what's the name of your company? Greenlight Coaching and Development. Okay, and you are based in Arizona? I am based in Arizona. So yes, I am still 
making a difference and I work with individuals. My niche are young people, but I also have started to coach couples. And obviously you and I, Malcolm, um, offer mental fitness courses and ways for you to get that mental fitness, just as all of us need to be healthy to enjoy our lives to the max, which is what we want to do. Yep. And I, you know, I was only talking with someone yesterday that is beginning to go through this and they said, well, yeah, this looks a bit foo-foo and whatever. I said, give it a chance. Okay. When it goes from the head, the analytical side into the heart in the empathetic side and the love-based side and and, you, and, you, and it, it really becomes a visceral thing it will change you given it given give it time and uh, I'm based here in Atlanta Georgia both Anna and myself are children of the internet so <laughs> I think we all are now we're all we're all sort of zoom commanders or whatever so uh, there's no reason why you know, shouldn't reach out I'll put contact information in the in the posting on this and I, I think it would be good with, with the you know, with your agreement Anna let's come back and it's let's revisit some of the topics that we've discussed a little bit more in depth of maybe you know some of the things that uh, the parents are going through which they maybe don't realize are being, being transmitted to the kids and showing up in other ways and you know maybe there's some indicators that uh, uh, could be useful. You know, for, for I agree with you. I think the biggest deal is us being a community, us connecting and us supporting each other. And to know that as teachers, we're not going to be perfect. As parents, we're not going to be perfect. But can we support each other anyway? If you see that there's something that you didn't agree with, don't come at me biting me, but come and have a conversation with me. Yeah. I often apologize to my students and I often apologize to a parent. And I would reflect when I felt that maybe I was too hard and I would go back to the kid and say, hey, this is what I meant by this. Did I hurt you in any kind of way? Do I owe you an apology? And I think when we come from a place of solution and not attacking, we're going to get places in life. And our kids deserve that. And you, you just demonstrated for me that, you know, the V word, the vulnerability. We're, 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 we're all fallible and we're all learning every day. Thank yep. you so much. We'll, uh, we'll do this again very shortly and uh, speak soon. That was wonderful, Malcolm. Thank you.